Nothing old. Nothing old. Nothing old. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. Listen along as accomplished guests discuss success and failures during their journeys as entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. Bettering your position starts by learning from those who went before you. That learning experience can happen anywhere, in the car, at the beach, or on a treadmill. There are no excuses for where you end up in life. If you want something bigger, the time to take action is now. There is no better time in history to achieve success. The hosts, Brian and Stu, are both Marine Corps veterans who believe life is what you make it. Your place in life is determined by your decisions. If you want more information on the podcast, please check out the website at nothingowed.com. No BS stands for Nothing Owed with Brian and Stu. That's what you're going to get with the show. Are you ready? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. You're here with Brian Hanna. Um, unfortunately, Stu had a last-minute emergency come up today, so he was not able to attend uh, the recording. Um, so you're stuck with me. Hope that's okay. But we do have a great guest. Um, his name is Ben Woodbury. Uh, so I wanted to make sure we got him on because uh, it's hard enough to coordinate everybody's schedules. But uh, we're going to push ahead without Stu, so um, hope he comes back soon. But in any case, uh, i got my friend Ben here, so I'm going to let him introduce himself and uh, just kind of talk a few minutes about um, his background and then we'll, uh, we'll get into it. So Ben, how you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm good. Doing well. I'm uh, Benjamin Woodbury. I'm um, the president and founder of Maudus Nation, a uh, online um, t-shirt retailer. Um, you know, it's, it's like any other veteran product thing you see with the skulls and art and everything else trying to promote uh, veterans and what we do for the country and, uh, and try to give back a little bit. Um, I have a long line of, uh, of uh, entrepreneur, been in corporate America, been out of corporate America uh, since my Army days. Um, but uh, joined the Army right out of high school, uh, changed my, uh, went in as a punk, came out as the uh, red, white, and blue, uh, you know, screaming American uh, kind of guy. So that's good. Um, yeah, a little bit of an evolution. No, it's, it sounds like it. We were talking before the uh, before we started recording. Um, you kind of had a funny story about how the uh, or the uh, army recruiter found you. You mind uh, telling that again? Yeah. So I was I was growing up. Uh, my father was in um, in the Air Force, uh, and I grew up on Air Force bases. And so um, he, I worked. If anybody is on uh, anybody that's familiar with the military knows about the commissary and uh, kids try to get the uh, commissary bagging job. You bag the groceries and you, you run the carts out to the cars and, and you, uh, you get tips along the way. And I was at uh, Scott air force base, Illinois um, bagging groceries and um, in high school. And, and uh, my girlfriend got pregnant and I was trying to trying to, figure out a way to get out of there hanging out with the wrong crowd and wasn't really, you know, I wasn't headed to college and not taking things seriously. And my dad said, well, yeah, you know, you got to go in the air force, the air force, get out of here. <laughs> and, uh, 
the Air Force recruiter said, oh, all we have is um, security police. And so I, I grew up on Air Force bases and all I can imagine was the guy standing at the gate saluting the people coming in, you know, broken arm right. uh, drum. And uh, I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going in the Air Force. My dad wants me to go in the Air Force. And so um, as I was bagging groceries, I got to know the, the Army recruiter actually was um, lived there near the base and was shopped there and, and uh, was talking to him. He's a younger guy, and we got to playing basketball at the local gym, and he said, come on down. Uh, I'll hook you up. I'll hook you up. And, yeah, he hooked me up. And uh, so, you know, we got there, and um, my dad, he was sending me down to the federal building. My dad gave me that, well, if you're not going to go in the Air Force and you're going in the Army, please just don't go infantry. And I said, okay, he was just, just promised me one thing, no infantry. And so we got in the van. Recruiter looks at me and he's like, okay. And I said, my dad said, no infantry. He said, <laughs> oh, you know what would be cool? It's a cavalry scout. He goes, I always wanted to do that. I said, oh, okay. Well, what is that? He goes, I just tell them that when you get there. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so we get we get up to the thing and the guy, you know, the counselor prints back when you printed stuff out on the right. old long piece of paper with the, with the perforated yeah. dot matrix stuff. And uh, they printed out, I actually had a very good ASVAB score. So they printed out a million jobs and they started at the top 11 Bravo. I said, no, no, my dad said no infantry. And they, uh, he said, well, 19 kilo, 19 K. I went, what is that? They said tanker. I said, no, 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 I'm claustrophobic. I can't be inside of a tank. I don't want anything to do with that. They said, oh, well, what about this? 19 um, Delta D, D. And uh, I said, well, what is that? They said, Calvary Scout. I go, oh, my recruiter said that's a cool job. And the guy kind of got a gleam in his eye and he whips out this video. And he says, well, watch this back on the VHS. Yes. Shoves it in the VHS and it's these dudes jumping out of helicopters and ghillie suits and, you know, and all this stuff. And, you know, and all this cool stuff. And I said, done, let's do that. That looks cool. <laughs> you know? So I didn't take a look at the other hundred job opportunities I had. Um, we signed up right there. I walked downstairs. I was probably there for at the federal building in downtown St. Louis for about 15 minutes, probably longer than that, but it felt like 15 minutes. Right. Recruiter goes, well, you're already done. You know, I said, yeah, I went Calvary Scout, and I think I think later on he told me, I just told you that because we were trying to spike our numbers and combat MOSs. You know, you didn't really need to to do that. So, jeez. Oh, anyway, <laughs> my basketball buddy got me in in a scout. So, so what? I ended uh, up you ended up loving it every day. Yeah. Cool. So, I, I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not totally familiar with the Calvary Scout. Like, can you talk about that for a minute? Like, what exactly? You, what was your MOS? What did you end up actually doing when you got to your unit? So the Calvary, I mean, it, it is what it sounds like. It's, you know, in the old days, in the John Wayne days, it was on a horse, you know, dun, 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 dun. Um, in modern times, they, you know, it translates to vehicles. Uh, and, you know, you go out in front of the uh, division elements and okay. sometimes smaller and you, you scout the enemy and <clears throat> report back. That's kind of your primary mission. You know, um, there's variant, you know, there's variations of that, but that's, you know, every division okay. in the army. Well, when I was in, I understand it's changed a little bit how they've 
um, apply it. But right. but when I was in every division had a had a cavalry squadron. Okay. That would that was at the divisional level and then every, you know, every um, battalion and, and below had kind of a, a smaller platoon element that would scout for the, for the battalion level. Um, right. But that's what it was. If I was in, I, I was in divisional cavalries uh, most of my career, except for my last platoon. Okay. I was in a brigade element, but um, I, I had a blast. It was a, it was a, a great time. Uh, I was blessed, I think, um, which translated later on in life um, to um, to have some of the greatest uh, leadership. I I was never I never really had personally had a bad platoon sergeant or a platoon leader. Um, you know, I I was always guided by great non commissioned officers in particular. Uh, you know, I was able to see the contrast between a good leader and a bad leader, but I never got stuck really with the bad leader. Right. Um, you know, it was a rare occasion. I was, I was around a, a bad leadership element, which was, has blessed me, you know, to this day. So that's good. So what, um, I mean, most importantly, when you told your dad, you were a Calvary scout, what was the response there? <laughs> I just, what you said, he said, he goes, what are you? Like horses, dun, 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 dun. you know, and I said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be jumping out of helicopters. And, and uh, you know, I said the primary mission is is on the uh, U.S.-Mexican border and we're going to be, you know, fighting drugs. We're going to be doing all this stuff. I said, it, the guy told me it translates into um, you know, careers afterwards with the FBI and with police work. And, you know, it's a great career choice and, you know, and all these things. And my dad was like, oh, OK, great. And. Uh, it's another funny story, but I got to Fort Knox, Kentucky. You get all in processed. You've done this. You know, you get all your uniforms. You don't know what you're doing. And they sit us down in the motor pool and out comes a Bradley, which is like a mini tank. If you don't know what a Bradley is, they pop the thing down. And I mentioned I'm, I'm somewhat claustrophobic. I looked at the drill sergeant. I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, where's the helicopters and the ghillie suits and the- <laughs> And they, they looked at me, what are you talking about? I said, I'm claustrophobic. I'm not getting in the back of that thing. I said, nobody showed me that. That wasn't on the video. <laughs> the drill sergeant said, oh, you're claustrophobic. Oh, hold on. So they, they actually marched me down. I went to, like, the staff office. Drill sergeant walks me in. And uh, I go to see, I can't remember, you know, it was the officer at the staff office, a major or something. Drill sergeant walks me in. He goes, hey, uh, Private Woodbury here, sir. Um the recruiter lied to him. They, they, you know, they showed him the wrong video, you know, <laughs> he, he, he's upset about, you know, he thinks he's in the wrong spot or something. And the, the major very concerned look on his face says, Oh, I have a seat private Woodbury. Oh, boy. I'm going to help you out. And he pulls out a file, you know, and he's flipping through it and he, he looks confused. He's flipping through the pages, so, you know, and it's my personnel file and he's, he's, rummaging 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 he's like we're gonna get to the bottom of it private woodbury hold on hold on i'm looking for some stuff blah 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 and finally after about two minutes he flips something he goes i'm confused he said private woodbury is that your signature and i yeah yeah that's my signature he goes does that say 19 delta at the top does this say four knox kentucky you know 
replacement <laughs> 19 Delta needs of the army. Oh, yes, sir. I said, but he goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. He goes, you're going to get on whatever vehicle the army tells you to get on. Now get your whatever out of my office, you know, kind of thing. And right. everybody in the office kind of knew what was going to happen to me, but they, I won't use that, the language that was used on your podcast, but I got escorted right back to the motor pool and, and very quickly got sent. My first duty station was in an armor, armored uh, division in Germany. I was on a Bradley. So it was pretty funny. Good stuff. Good uh, stuff. I, yeah. I, uh, I'm sure we've all got those stories. I remember having a broken rib one time after uh, almost breaking my back and these other Marines saw me with my sea bag and carrying all this stuff and, like, you know, hey, Marine. And so I told him, asked me what my MOS was, and I'm a forward observer. And he asked me something, you know, I, this is years ago. And I remember telling him, I think I broke a rib. I just fallen and gotten injured. And frankly, like, I was amazed I was still able to walk because of the way I fell and everything. But um, so I'm humping all my gear and told him my MOS. And like, all right, we'll carry on. You better get used to it. Like, Thank you, sir. You know, and, and I was in so much pain. And like, I had everything, my sea bag. I, Every, every piece of gear that I had at the time I'm carrying, and my ribs broke in, and I'm like, oh, God. But, yeah, that's, that's the way it goes for anyone that's not out there. But, it, and, I mean, I'll speak for myself. Like, I wouldn't have it any other way because, nope. you know. Wouldn't I, change my, it for the world. Exactly. You know, my military experience, while I enjoyed it, was not all that out of the ordinary. But at the end of the day, we're all preparing to fight for the country. And having to hump some gear with a pain in my back is nothing compared to what a lot of other guys have gone through. And so it's a sacrifice we all, I think are, are glad to, to make. So. I agree. I agree. But, yeah. My son just reported to Fort Benning uh, last Wednesday for a uh, 19 Delta Calvary scout basic training. So oh, he's, uh, cool. I, got I got a text from him this morning. Um, I told him, I said, hey, on Sundays, remember, tell them that you're Catholic, you're Mormon, you're, uh, you're Christian, you're non-denominational, and you're Jewish. I said, because then you get to go to all the services and you don't have to <laughs> clean the barracks. I go, go to every church service. So he texted me from some church thing today. He goes, hey, I remembered your advice about religion. Uh, they let me have my phone today while I'm at church. You know, and so he's in church today uh, texting me. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh but we talked about it before we recorded. I know you went to you went to Kosovo. Um, how was that for you? Like, what did what, you see over there? Like, what was your experience there? Uh, yeah, well, I went to Bosnia. I never actually hit Kosovo. I, okay. We were, uh, I was in First Armored Division, and and right after the <clears throat> uh, Dayton Peace Accords. Um, for your younger listeners, you, they probably don't know what the heck we're talking about. But uh, yeah, the, when uh, when when Bosnia and Kosovo and Croatia and all broke up from being the old Soviet Yugoslavia. They fought a war forever and ever and ever. Dayton Peace Accords uh, was what kind of stopped that war. Um, I was part of the NATO Peace Force that originally went in with 1st Armored Division in that, um, into Bosnia. Uh, so I went there for about a year in 1995. Okay. Um, and that was when, actually that's when I, my whole view on uh, America and the world and being a veteran kind of changed. I, I remember vividly being on guard duty, 
ironically enough, on top of a, a 50 cal Modus machine gun on a, a gun post, uh, you know, sitting up on top of a sandbag thing at our, uh, we kind of had like a base camp kind of thing. And there's probably, I don't know, two feet of snow on the ground. It's freezing cold. And, and the, the gate I was guarding was kind of where we, um, like our trash thing was like our, where we dumped our trash. And, uh, this cart pulls up with this family drawn by like a donkey and, uh, you know, it's a father, wife, like three little kids. <clears throat> and, you know, the kids are not dressed very well for the, for the weather. Um, you know, I don't even think, I think one of them maybe had shoes on and they jumped down and they're digging through like are thrown away, you know, peanut butter and jelly MRE packets that we didn't want. And, you know, just our C rations and all these things that we didn't want, <clears throat> um, that we complained about every day, filling up their cart. And then they, and then the guy comes over with teary eyes and thanks me for the food. They go on their way, you know, and uh, I just started to think like, man, like in America, like our homeless live better than these people live, you know, and these are right. citizens of this country and they've had to live through like a 10 year war and they're thanking me for our trash. Like, come on. So I started to become very, um, you know, I started to transition to being very political or political, very patriotic. Um, and uh, I started to become you know, one of the things my dad taught me when I was very young was, is, hey, man, if you're going to do it, whatever it is, be the best you can be at it. Right. Not the best that somebody else can be, but the best that you can be at it. Don't compare yourselves to others. You do what you can do and be the best that you can be at it. And so I started to be the best I could be at being a scout. And frankly, I was pretty good at it and I enjoyed it. Um, and so I started to thrive in that army environment. Um, whereas I think I mentioned it before, I kind of went in as a punk, you know, who was just trying to get a GI bill, you know, and just kind of get away from, I mean, I could identify that I was hanging out with the wrong crowd. I was trying to get away from that and try to, you know, provide for a family or whatever as a 18, 19 year old. But um, when I left Bosnia, I was, I was more of a career soldier and more of an American patriot, I guess. Um, and trying to, trying to thrive in that environment versus trying to do my time and get out. So. No, that's, uh, that, that's an awesome story. Uh, did you ever see that family again while you're over there or just see them the one time? Uh, yeah, no, many times. We, yeah. I mean, they were like a local, we lived near a village or we were stationed near a village there and we had to patrol in the village and, uh, and uh, we, we would see them, you know, on occasion, yeah. you know, we, you know, I didn't get to know, we were separated from the locals. I think, you know, the operations in Iraq and Afghanistan, you interact, with, I don't know about Iraq, but I know guys from Afghanistan that, you know, part of it is interacting with some of these villages more than what we did in Bosnia. I, I wasn't part of the, you know, I wasn't part of the PSYOPs teams that would go in and actually talk to the people. You know, we, in fact, we were encouraged not to talk to them. Um, but we, we would see them, 
yeah, to answer your question. Sure. Um, you know, but it was a sad state of affairs there. You know, it's just it's a weird situation. I, you know, if, I think when you're fighting a war, uh, whether you agree with it or not, normally you go and you can see a difference between, you know, we go to, let's say, Vietnam, the people are different than us, right? Like they, they look different than us. They dress different than us. Their uniforms are different than ours. You know, they have different belief systems. They're all raised differently. You know, the Middle East is the same way. You go into Afghanistan, they look different, right? It's different. The, the war they were fighting was different amongst themselves. It, it would be like, Dallas, Texas gets upset with Austin, Texas, and Austin, Texas gets upset with San Antonio, Texas, and all three of them get upset with Houston, Texas, and then they fight a war with each other for 10 right. years and slaughter each other and do the craziest things to each other that are unimaginable, right. you know, for 10 years. And that's how you're raised in the state of Texas. <laughs> like, that's the, that's, the, that's the state of affairs in yeah. Texas that you just, you know, if you're born in Houston, you hate Dallas people, you hate Austin people, and you hate San Antonio people. And if you ever come across them, you know, but you all look the same. You all go to the same restaurants. You eat the same food. You have the same culture. You have this, you know, that was the weird thing to me about Bosnia was that it was, you know, there wasn't a, def for them, you know, it wasn't a defined, it was something that the Cold War caused and it was, there were some religious factors, but it was, they all were kind of the same people and they just murdered each other. It was weird. Yeah. No, I, that's sad to hear. I mean, you know, it's one of those things like, you know, you know what happens. And when you hear stories like you're telling it, it kind of, it brings it home, you know, and it, it was just one family that you saw, but you know, you know, it's more, it's more widespread. So that's, it's hard to hear. And it's, but you know, think about, like you mentioned Afghanistan, it's like, it almost sounds like the same thing, you know, that the tribes in Afghanistan, the tribes in Iraq have always been fighting, you know, and they're, they're Iraqis, you know, but because of their religious beliefs or they came from a different part of the country, they're going to fight to the death, you know, and it, it's sad that it's sad yeah. that still happens. Um, but I think what's important to take away from that is just the appreciation you got for this country, you know, cause we, well, 2020 excluded, <laughs> We were, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go down that road, but I think, you know what I'm going to say, like, you know, it's prior to 2020, we didn't have those problems here, you know, and it's, it's kind of a sad state of affairs that we're going around the world trying to prevent that. And now it's kind of popping up here at home, you know, and I, maybe that's a topic for another day, but I sad. well, the sad thing about that, that statement is, is that there's still, there isn't another place on the face of this globe that if you asked somebody there if they would want to come to America versus where they're at, that the answer would not be yes. Yeah. There's people traveling here barefoot trying to get here. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, it's still, it, you know. Well, nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect. No. I don't think our founding fathers thought it would be perfect, but, but it's, they created a way to make it so that the people can absorb and adjust and adapt. 
right. and and treat everybody, you know, fairly. You know, we kind of talked about this before you started recording where it's, you know, that constitution is not, you know, the constitution is about protecting the people of this country and the people that want to come to this country, not our government. But anyway, let's not, I don't want to go down that path. But. <laughs> no, but actually though, I think it, what we're talking about kind of ties into the reason that we wanted to start this show and really people like you, because the, the point of our show is just it kind of exactly what you said is that for all the faults that people think we have in this country, the fact is anybody that lives in the United States has access to either a phone or a computer in some form or fashion. And in the palm of your hand, if you have a smartphone, you can start nearly any kind of business. You could almost start a real estate business. Like, I mean, literally anyone out there right now can pick up your phone. You can log on to Amazon. You can create an Amazon store. Um, you can sell products on eBay. You can buy bulk products from China. Not that I support China, but you can buy items to drop ship from warehouses all over the world. And you can have those items sent directly to an Amazon warehouse. And you can do that here, you know, and it's, that's an amazing opportunity that I don't think most people really think about, you know, and you can start a small business on the side. You can completely change direction in your life. You can start your own company. I mean, you can, like, there's so many things that we have that, that we're, that we're fortunate for to have here. Um, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on specifically, you know, is you've done it, you know, you've, you've served in the military, but you've had other careers and now you, you're starting another company. Um, and not only are you trying to start, or you, I'm sorry, you're starting a company, but you're using that company to give back to the country and to the community. And that's, I mean, I really think you epitomize everything we're trying to, everything we're trying to do with this show is that no matter where you're at, no matter where you're starting, you can always make that turn. You can always turn things around. Um, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how bad you think it is, go outside the United States, you know, go, yeah. go to South America. You know, I've, I've had the opportunity to travel um, a couple different places, but I've been to some nice places in Europe and I've been to, you know, countries in Africa. And it's, I don't think people really realize you said it too, but I just want to emphasize it that if you, if you don't like what you have here, go somewhere else for a couple of days and yeah. see what it's truly like to live in poverty. Because when we, when people in America say they don't have anything, well, you don't have anything compared to other Americans, but what you have here in this country is still a hundred times more than what people in other countries don't have, you know, and it's, I don't want to harp on this too much, but I think, you know, where I'm, what I'm going is where I'm going, you know, people in other countries, they, they don't know where they're going to get food. They don't have, they literally don't have food, you know, it's yeah, like, let's, let's start a reality show where we got to worry about where our next meal is for the next two yeah. weeks. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I think the point I'm trying to make, and I'm dancing around it, I guess, but the point I just want to make is there's so much opportunity out there, you know, and if, if there's anything that you want to do, you have the opportunity to do it. Um, and that's, that's my motivation for doing the show. And for talking to people like you is that anybody can, can make changes. Anybody can, can take control of their future and, 
and you'll see that it's once you get going, I think for me, at least the hardest part is, is just getting that, taking that first step and getting the ball rolling, you know, but once you start that energy, once you start that momentum, it kind of builds upon itself, you know, so you just have to get going. You have to do something and don't be afraid of failure. You know, don't be afraid of um, things not going well because you're going to learn something. Even if your venture fails, well, guess what? Start another one and start another yes. one, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's full time. I mean, I mean, that takes me to, you know, I've had a job probably since I was 12 years old. Um, one thing my dad taught me was, I mean, I grew up in a household with two brothers, two sisters. I was the oldest of five. My dad was an, uh, he was an officer, but he was in the air force. There's not a lot of money to go around. Uh, my dad's a very frugal individual. Um, and, you know, if we wanted the new Air Jordans or if we wanted a new skateboard or whatever it was, you know, you, you had to buy it right. yourself. So, you know, I just remember, and he'd probably laugh if he was sitting here with me because he probably wouldn't remember this, but I was, we were in California at the time, stationed, my dad was stationed at Travis Air Force Base, and that's near, um, like, Fairfield, uh, kind of Napa, Vacaville area okay. in Northern California. And uh, I was like 12, 13 years old, middle school. And uh, I went out, this when people still read the newspaper in your hands. And I went out and got a newspaper route on, on base there. And my dad looked at me and he said, hey, that's great, but you're going to ride your bike and you're going to carry the papers. Like you're not, like I'm not driving you around every morning, basically. Right. I, had some, I had some buddies that their parents would go, put them in the back of the pickup truck and then you drive around for 20 minutes and you throw the paper, you know, at the doorstep. Right. My dad said, if you, if you man enough to go get a job on your own, you're, you're going to throw the old thing over your shoulders. You're going to go ride the bike, you know, and if anybody has been to Travis air force base, it's a very hilly uh, base where the housing area is. And so I was a little devastated. I said, okay, no problem. So on Monday through Friday, I could get the whole route rolled and stuck in the bag. You have the pockets. I'm probably, I'm really aging myself because nobody throws the papers anymore, but uh, you had a, you had this thing that hung over you and it had pockets in the front and pockets in the back, Yeah, like a big dress kind of thing. You rolled the papers, the, the, the company would come drop them on your doorstep at two in the morning. You wake up in the morning as a kid and you'd roll them, put the rubber band on them, fill them in your, you know, and if it was raining, they gave you these plastic bags, you shoved them in and tied. Then you jumped on your bike and you ran to all the all the people on your route and you threw the paper on their doorstep. And then once a month, you had to actually go back in the day and show up at the doorstep, knock on the door, get them to pay you the whatever it was a month. And uh, on Sunday, however, when the paper is thick, it has all the extra deals. <laughs> I can't, I couldn't fit the whole route inside right. of my one trip. Right. So I would have to, I would have to go do 10 houses and then come back because the papers, you know, 10 times thicker. And so after the first or second Sunday, Ben gets a bright idea. I think, you know, I probably wanted to go hang out with some friends or something and it was taking me half the day. So the next Sunday I, I just went out on my bike. And I took all the papers and I threw them in a dumpster. And then I pretended that I ran the route, you know. 
I'm sure my dad got a call or something, you know, and the paper probably called him because people were probably calling going, Hey, where's my Sunday paper? Um, and you know, I don't know how he caught on to it, but he, you know, later on that evening, he jumps in the car with me and he takes me down to the dumpster down by wherever I snuck him and threw him away. Right. And he stands there and he looks at me and, you know, he gives me his deal, you know, and that's when he said, Hey, if you're going to do this paper route, you need to be the best paper boy you can possibly be. And he's like, is this the best that you can be? You know? No, dad, it's not, you know, all right. You know, and, and then he helped me and he took me around in the truck and we finished the route. But then, you know, I never did that again, but I remember that thinking to myself, like, cause you know, I was, it was always, we never had money. So money was important to me, my own personal money. So, you know, from then on, I've, I have always tried to be the best, whatever it is that I could be. Um, from that from that moment and I've always kind of had a job or reinventing myself I mean even today um, and I'm getting back to your point about opportunity you know even today um, as Ma Deuce kicks off and and we're my wife and I are marketing this thing and you know trying to you know create a create more opportunity it's going people are buying stuff you know and it's going but um, you know, I'm out there. I clean pools every morning at 4:30 in the morning. I get up and go do a pool route. You know, just to put continued cash. Like I'm not a guy that just sits around. And um, this is probably not politically correct, but I'm not a victim. I don't create excuses. I, you know, if I'm not going to sit around and cry and whine about it. You know, like if I want my company to work and we need more money to 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 pay for new patches or hats or whatever it is, or if I got to pay the truck bill or whatever it is, I'm not going to just sit around and then complain because, well, we didn't sell enough t-shirts this month and nobody bought and COVID did this and nobody's get you know, nobody's doing this or that, you know, we've had some, we've had some censorship issues on social media um, with our, with our brand. We, you know, and, I'm not going to sit around and cry about it. I'm going to go yeah. find some other avenues right. to market stuff. And, and, you know, we're going to put time and effort into, you know, I, I, I just, I'm not a guy that sits around yeah. and cries. And, you know, if, if, if your podcast is about maybe learning some lessons for me um, as an entrepreneur is, I mean, I guess I would say one is be the best, whatever it is that you're yeah. going to be while you're doing it. And then two, you know, life is a hustle. You know, nobody owes you anything. And if you want your business, whatever it is, whatever your idea is, whatever it is, if you believe in it and you want it to succeed, there is no reason why it can't succeed. Go out there and it and it is okay. Like you said, you mentioned it. You know, people fail. If it fails, go reinvent it and and pivot. You don't have to keep banging your head against the same thing. You know, I mean, we've I mean, even with. You know, I mean, I was in the insurance business between the Army and, and the Ma Deuce evolution. And, dude, I mean, you don't, you don't know how many times, you know, marketing for commercial insurance, you know, this works, this doesn't work, this right. works, you know. And then I, I had so many competitors of mine that I, I mean, even in colleagues that I would sit there and I'd watch them and they did the same thing over and over and over again. And they would just go, well, why? Why can't I get new clients? Yeah. Why can't 
why don't my clients stay with me for longer than a year? Yeah. And you look at it and you go, because you continue to do the same thing over yeah. and over and over. Pivot, change, do something different. It's okay to say, you know what? The way I do this is wrong. Yeah. I need to change, you know? And, and so my wife and I, while we, uh, she just walked in with some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's the CEO of Ma Deuce. Uh, Very nice. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, my wife and I, having a wife and husband business together is, is, um, you know, having a, having a marriage is a business. So, so being married is tough. You got (laughs) to change. You got to do those, all those things we just talked about. You got to change. You got to pivot. You got to, Hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I did this. This was wrong. Or, you know, maybe I could do this a little better. Um, you know, and that's mostly for me, not much from her, (laughs) but but those things, you know, translate that into a business. I mean, her and I spend, you know, we come up with new ideas about what's going to work, but we also go, hey, did that work? Right. You know, because well, what we like, what T-shirt we like or what patch we like may not be what you like, right. you know, and, and really it's it's what the customer wants, not what I'm going to, you know, I'm not buying every t-shirt and wearing it. So, <laughs> well, that's interesting. How are you testing that? Like when you, when you guys come up with a new design, um, what, what are you doing to, to kind of test the market? You know, how are you approaching that? Uh, we could probably be real, uh, a little more better at it, but, uh, we, uh, we have some friends, family, um, and then I've run it through my veteran buddies, mm-hmm. you know, um, Hey, what do you think about this design? Um, you know, we have a, a launch. We've kind of gone down a design idea launch calendar between now and um, mid-2021. So right now we're kind of pushing on the things we've already kind of run through the idea factory. Okay. Uh, but, you know, some of the stuff I really like hasn't sold very well, you know, and then there's some stuff that, I thought there's no way. I mean, I'll tell you a funny story. We have a woman product that's, um, it's like a tank top, like logo. It's just our logo tank right. top. Right. And, uh, and it's like a, it's like a mauve color. I sound weird even saying that color. Yeah. It's like a mauve deal. And, uh, when we were at the printer, the printer goes, who the hell is going to buy this Pepto-Bismol looking like, why are we printing this? You guys really going to put this out? And my wife was like, hey, look, just print it, you know, and she's telling me the same thing. I'm like, I don't know, you know, gosh, this isn't traditional. Well, guess what? Product is the only product we've sold out of. <laughs> the Mav yeah. Women's Tank Tea. <laughs> and guess who calls and says, the women go, hey, wait, there's no more of those? How Can I get a, or when are you guys going to run the Mav Tea again? Yeah, so... <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Right. That's funny. So do you guys have, um, I mean, just for someone who's kind of thinking about like a business like that, I mean, you guys running, um, do you do back orders on your website or like, how do you, how do you approach, how do you find the balance of having enough product available to sell versus overproduction and not getting stuck with designs that, that, you know, don't sell as well. Like how are you, how are you approaching that? Great question. Great question. Great question. Uh, I, you know, we, we've actually come up with a, there's a formula. So, I mean, there's so much. Um, 
I mean, that's another thing, you know, we don't, we don't have to get anything proprietary, you know, I don't want to, I don't have anything. Yeah. Listen, man, we don't have a, I mean, other than some of our art, we don't have anything that's proprietary. I'll share everything with you. Um, but, the, uh, I mean, that's a tough, I mean, that is the, one of the, the, you know, perplexing things about this business in particular is, is, you know, do you do pre-sales? Do you do, do you keep some inventory on hand? And, you know, our, our train of thought was, is um, how do we like to be customers, right? That's right. My wife and I always kind of go back to, okay, when I go on a line and I buy a t-shirt, what's that experience, right? And nothing makes me more angry than when I go, man, that's a sick, yeah, look at this new sick t-shirt. I'm going to order it. And then I got to, by the time it gets there, I forgot I ordered it. Right. Because they're doing a pre-sale. They're waiting to see how much they sell. Then they put all that together. Then they go put it on the slowest order they can possibly order, you know, so that they maximize that dollar. So we've tried to avoid that. We've tried to keep some on hand. Okay. Anything we put on our website or we sell from a T-shirt standpoint, anything, actually, we don't have anything on our website that we don't have an in inventory. Okay. And if we sell out of it, you won't be able to buy it on our website. It will show that. Right. And that's the reason for that is our experience um, in, in being a consumer. Um, we have found, and, and if you, I mean, if you've, if you're thinking about doing this, you'll know that there's, there's, you know, there's price breaks in screen printing, right. there's price breaks in, you know, whether or not you're going to manufacture the, um, the material or what, you know, the product. Right. So, we found kind of a sweet spot in, in a t-shirt order where we make, we make enough money. We have enough profit to donate to charity and we can have enough on, on, you know, on the shelf to where if it doesn't sell, we're not getting killed. Right. Um, in, in the, you know, in the upfront costs, there's a sweet, there's a number there. I mean that, you know, from a size I mean, it's broken down by small we order. I mean, it's like an order of like, I mean, it goes in, it has to do with the printing too. It's on the sweet spots of the printing, but it's like 36 to 72, I think or something like that. So where if you, in those numbers, where right. if you keep them on the shelf, you can still make money, but not, you know, obviously if you could order 500 of everything because right. you knew it was going to sell out, you'd make a ton of money. Right. But that's the, if yeah, we only cool. knew on the mob tank top, we'd <laughs> ordered 500 of them. Yeah. Probably hear me. Uh, Man, that's always a challenge. It's easy to, to invest all your capital in a, in a product. And now all of a sudden you've got a thousand shirts on your shelf and it's like, yeah, hey, great. They're here, but they're not selling. It's now you've kind of, you kind of stuck in the water, you know? Yeah. And I'm three X. I wear a three X. So we only order like three of those things. So I get one. And then, uh, you know, there's like two, three X's <laughs> sitting there until we get, you know, unless somebody has demand for them. So I can't even wear all this stuff if it sits there, you know, we'd have to give it away. So, <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen. I, you guys are doing great. I, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, you said something in there that I think is really important. And I, I want to touch on, if you don't mind, like, I think it's really impressive that you guys are starting off a new company you know, you're still working a side job to keep it going, but you still find the ability to, to give to charity. I mean, that's, that's impressive. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, we know there are a lot of t-shirt companies out there, but for someone like you starting off and making that sacrifice right off the bat, I mean, that's huge. 
So, I mean, do you mind kind of talking about that and, and talking about some of the charities you give to and, um, you know, how that whole how that came about? Yeah, uh, no problem. So, you know, that evolution is really, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I was in the insurance business for a while, a commercial insurance gig uh, upon separation um, and really did well at that. And I went from being just an, you know, I was an agent at a big firm. I went and started my own firm. Then I partnered in a firm. Then I, then I left that firm, started my own firm, then partnered again in a firm and then started my own firm again. And then, um, was able to sell that, uh, final, uh, this right, right at the beginning of COVID here in 2020, March, 2022 or 2020, uh, was able to sell, um, my final agency that I owned and, and take that capital and kind of go full bore into the Maudus thing. Um, that's where we find ourselves today. Um, but through that being in a firm and owning a firm, um, of various sizes of various, some local, some national brands, um, I really, really was struggling with the, you know, we all have to make money. I mean, that's the point, right? I mean, uh, I won't sit here and apologize. I won't lie to you and tell you that I'm not trying to make money at Maudus. We're trying to make a living as a couple for Maudus. But um, I really got sucked into the rat race of, and I was, I saw the, you know, the rat race of people that, of corporate America, people just screwing over the next guy, um, you know, screwing over, you know, their friend, their, their comrade, their client, all in the name of, you know, I just want to be a millionaire, you know, and I just, in the same time, you know, I just started to see, I had friends, you know, as I got older, I had friends that had stayed in the military. Um, I had friends that had gotten out, you know, during my time frame and long, you know, and stayed in longer and had then separated. Um, and I was, you know, and I, I'm not going to quote the number. I don't know the number. I've heard a million different numbers, but I started to see the, the, you know, that number of how many veterans commit suicide, you know, a month or a year and, and whatever that number is, it's, it's, you know, one is too many. Um, I started to see friends that were struggling with the VA opportunities. I was starting to see my own dad struggle with the VA retirement stuff. Um, you know, and just, if there's anybody and everybody has their own hot buttons, everybody has their own passions, but if there's a group of people in our country who deserve, you know, compassion, I guess is the word it's veterans in my opinion. Right. So about two years ago, three, shoot, it's been three years ago. Um, I guess it's been three. I started Maju's two or three years ago. I can't even remember now, but, uh, that time flies, doesn't it? Yeah. Time flies. And, you know, I was working as I own my own insurance agency. Um, I had a million things going on and we couldn't, uh, you know, this type of thing. That's one thing I didn't realize either is, is that, you know, I thought when I started it, I'm going to get a website and 
I'm going to come up with some t-shirt ideas and I'm just going to sell the crap out of some t-shirts. Right. <laughs> well, it's not that easy. Um, you know, there is a million things that go into putting together some t-shirts. Right. I mean, if you want to make money at it, I mean, anybody can go down and print some, t- I'm getting off topic, but no, no, it's all. In- there's a, yeah. There's a million things that, that go into it that I didn't realize and that I've learned over the last few or last year. But, um, I started the thing and, you know, I thought I could do it part-time and, and I was kind of doing it part-time. My wife helped me with the logo. You know, I had a couple other veteran bodies that were trying to, Hey, let's do this together kind of thing. And it just didn't go anywhere. It just sat on the shelf. We had some logo tees. You could order the logo tee online. We didn't sell any. We had a, you know, we had some social media, but no presence. Right. Um, I like to tell people I have this t-shirt veteran company, right? I would tell people that and I do it on the side and I'm always working on it. Right. But I was never really working on it. I was growing my insurance gig and I just didn't have the time. Right. You know, there's only so many hours in a day. Um, and about a, I don't know, a year, I guess it was two winters ago. I'm literally pulling off the side of the road or I'm getting off an exit here in Las Vegas and it's kind of downtown and, as I'm pulling down to get onto this regular street off the freeway there, I hear all this honking and I, I pull around and, and uh, there's a car that's dead. And, you know, that obviously the guy's battery's dead. Right. And, and these people are honking at him because he's blocking this, you know, people trying to get on the, the, the regular street and, so I pull over, I jump out, and, and um, as I'm running up to the back of this pickup truck to help him push him out of the way, all these people are honking at us and screaming at us, you know, to get out of the way. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just looking at him going, you got to be kidding me. And uh, out of the bushes runs this homeless guy. He's probably, I say kid because he's younger. He's probably mid-20s and jumps up and helps me push this guy around kind of out of the way, right? And as we're pushing, we go past my truck. And my truck was parked and I had um, in the back of my truck, I got the, you know, stickers, right? The veteran stuff. Right. And uh, the kid looks at me and he goes, hey, man, he goes, you were a, you were a aerosol Calvary scout? I said, I looked at him. I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you know, I was at a, I was a aerosol infantry guy at Fort Campbell. I said, really? You know, so we're kind of talking as we're pushing this truck and it's, and it's winter in Las Vegas, which isn't, is cold for us, but it wasn't, you know, it's not cold for the rest of the country. It was cold for us. It's probably 80 degrees cold for us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a little chilly outside and this kid we're chatting. And then, so we get done pushing this guy, I, we help him and got him some gas. And then I, I'm looking at this kid and I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I said, Hey man, can I give you some money? And he, he said, no, 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 I'm good, man. He goes, I think I have a room at the VA shelter tonight. You know, I think I'm good. I said, you sure? Can I give you a ride there? He goes, no, you've already done enough for me. Well, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, like, we just had 50 cars, like, pass this dude on the street and honk at him. Right. When he's clearly, like, his car's dead. And the guy that jumps out of the bushes to help this guy is, like, this homeless kid. Like, and he won't take my money, you know, and he won't take me giving him a ride because he feels like he's, 
you know, like I did enough by stopping to help this other guy. Like, you know, it was, it was kind of a eye opener. And that's when I kind of came up with the mission statement for Ma Deuce was like, we got to, I got to get out of this rat race of me, 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 million dollars. And I got to do something. I got to make money. Again, we'll never apologize for making money, but can I make enough money to then give some of that back through whether it's cash or whether through, you know, product or, or just even awareness and time and effort to um, charities that benefit veterans um, nationally and locally. Um, so we started doing some research and, you know, I'm not going to get into names, but right. we started to realize as well that there's some charities out there that not every dollar goes to veterans, right. you know, big names, yeah, but not every dollar is trickling down to the guys that need it. Right. Yeah. And so, so we've, we started going a little bit further into, we, you know, we also didn't want to do that. We also didn't want to just go, here's the big check to X foundation. Right. And then that money not go to some veterans. And we have, you know, so as we turned the corner into 2020, my wife and I sat down and said, you know, I'm going to sell this insurance business. We're going to get enough money out of that, that we can live for a couple of years. Let's put, let's put, you know, 100% effort into this thing. And let's see if we can make this thing work, make a living doing this thing. That's a dream of mine. You know, I prefer doing this over the rat race and, and then we can make a difference, you know? Um, and, and so we did that. We interviewed some charities and some of those, I mean, we ended up talking to the Fisher house, which is um, the Fisher house is at every VA hospital. Um, and, and they're um, not every VA hospital, but at most big VA hospitals. And the Fisher house is a, is a um, charitable home. It's a home they build right there on the grounds. And so if a veteran is having surgery or overnight stay or um, any kind of, treatment at a VA facility where um, they're having um, inpatient kind of treatment where they're right. there for an extended period of time. The Fisher house is literally a home where the, their family members, the veterans family members can come and stay for free. Um, you sign into the home like temporary quarters almost. They have multiple rooms, you know, and then people donate the food. There's food, there's a kitchen. They usually have, um, you know, the people that are staying there usually, you know, like cook up a meal all together and, you know, veterans and their families have a unique way of kind of really quickly, and you'll, you'll relate to this, but really quickly relating to each other. Yeah. You know, you can run into some people in a USO and, you know, the something, something airport somewhere. And, you know, before you know it, you've exchanged addresses and now you're lifelong friends. Right. Yeah. But that kind of um, community really happens real quick. Um, they don't take your money. That's the first thing I really liked when I met with the ladies uh, here that run the Fisher House of Las Vegas. Um, we were talking to them about what we wanted to do. And the most impressive thing to me was, is, you know, I, I've met, I mean, through my insurance career and through trying to do the small news thing, you know, I've met with a million. I mean, how many times do you get, you talk to somebody that's doing a donation thing, right? And it's always, 
do you want to be a gold sponsor? And we put your logo on it. Give me 10 grand right now on a check, which is great, right? Some people have to do it that way. Some people need the operating cash. That was the last thing the Fisher House did. The Fisher House said, no, 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 no. We don't want your money. We want you to buy product. They have like an Amazon shopping list or something like that. And, you know, we, we post this shopping list every two weeks. And if you want to donate to us, go on and buy this stuff that goes directly to their home that can help the people that are there. It's, it's you buy stuff that helps the people, you know, and that was the most impressive thing that they weren't like, Hey, we'll put your logo all over the place and give us 10 grand. I mean, it was so, you know, the, every dollar goes directly to the people that need it in their, in their, their charities. So um, that's one of the groups we work with here locally. Um, we also work with um, my wife is a big, um, you start talking about kids. My wife goes nuts. <laughs> Talk about hurting a kid. My wife will go nuts on you. Uh, but we, uh, there's a charity on um, three square. Um, we, uh, we don't, they, they do meals for kids that need, need food. Um, we've really partnered with them here through volunteer work. Um, we uh, we try to get out and and um, you go, you know, they have like central storage facilities where they um, all the food gets donated there. And then they create the meals and then you go to local areas where the kids can come and get the meals. Um, they like a drive in, in the COVID world. It's a they drive through and you got the mask on, you put it in their trunk and they go through. I mean, again, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but the amount of children that don't get fed unless they're going to school and right. getting that school lunch is unbelievable. Um, and, and I mean, we've got other ones. I mean, one last one, we, we, we just made a relationship with the St. Jude ranch for children here in Las Vegas. Um, and they're, uh, they're a special ranch. It's, it's not the St. Jude's hospital that you hear about with the cancer clinics, but, um, it's a, it's again, a, a home for, um, here and it's actually in Boulder city, Nevada, which is outside of Las Vegas, but it's to take children and, and get them off the street, homeless children and children that are being trafficked. Um, part of that whole effort to stop human trafficking and crimes against children to, uh, and give them a place, a home, right. Um, of safety, a place of safety, really of sanctuary. Um, and so we, we just met, um, the director over there at that place. We're actually scheduled to get out there and do, uh, do a, a tour of their facility and talk about how we can be involved more. And again, that's another one that they didn't ask us for a check. They said, Hey, can you be involved? Like, can you help these people? Um, and we'll give them some money, but you know, however we can do it, whether it's a t-shirt that says St. Jude's branch, every time we sell it, you get 10 bucks or whatever it is. Right. right. We'll figure that out with them. But, you know, our biggest thing for us is yes, we want to get back to veteran, <clears throat> veteran charities, children charities. But I think as a veteran, and you and I kind of talked about this uh, before you started recording, I think as a veteran, we, you take a vow to defend the country um, you know, and when you're not out there 
carrying a rucksack, you know, standing guard, you get home, uh, defending that country continues to be part of the community. Like let's, I I take it as a personal mission to like inspire people. I hope our company, while again, we're making money, we're selling t-shirts, selling products, um, you know, can we inspire people through our social media, through our own actions, through the dollar, right? To, to give back to your community, do something to just be better today. You don't have to make a big splash every day, but go outside say hi to your neighbor. You haven't seen a little bit, do something, you know, whatever it is. Um, You know, my wife posted um, on our social media this week was the suicide awareness week. Um, You know, check in on five buddies. Yeah. You know, something simple. So hopefully that was a long winded answer to your question about (laughs) why I got into this and what we're doing. But no, that was uh, that was perfect, man. I mean, honestly, I can't agree with you more, you know, and everything you said is, is just awesome. You know, and I think what you said about, you know, charities that aren't, I don't want to make any judgment on any charity because obviously, it, you know, but at least my personal opinion is that if there's a charity out there that isn't out there being real flashy and they're not putting out these fancy commercials and doing all this stuff, if they're just saying, Hey, you know, here's where to send the food. Here's how to help directly. I, tend to think that they're probably a little more worthy of assistance because they're doing the right thing. They're, they're trying to help people just for the sake of helping people. They're not doing it just for the sake of attention or trying to make other people feel good, you know? So I, I love what you're doing. Like, I, I really can't stress that enough. You know, you, you started a company, you know, obviously you got to provide for yourselves, but you're using it as a way to not only to give back, but also to educate other people. And, you know, just like you said, I mean, it really struck me, you know, helping that guy move his truck, you know, that's something that anybody can do. Anybody obviously can push a car, but, you know, helping other people doesn't mean um, writing a big check, you know, moving that guy's car off the side of the street could be the best thing to happen to that guy because you may, truthfully, you may have saved his life. He may have been trying to push that car out of the way and somebody could have crashed into him talking on their cell phone. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Little things that, especially in Las Vegas, if you've yeah. ever driven here, geez. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'm getting on my soapbox too, I guess, but I, I just, I really, I really appreciate what you're saying, and, and you know, the little things that anybody can do. You never know how big of an impact it's going to have on the other side, because, like I said, that that guy could have gotten run over if you hadn't helped him, right? I mean, maybe not, maybe, but that didn't cost you any money cost you it cost a few minutes of your time and it, it made that that guy's day better and if everybody did something like that i think you know again not go down the political route but if we all step back and said how can i help the person next to me even if you're not a veteran even if you're not trying to help veterans but how do i help the person next to me you know and, and you guys are doing it and it's that's awesome you know i i really hope that you know anyone out that's listening you know please <laughs> go buy some shirts from from my deuce i mean they're they're doing everything right you know, and it's, it's a way to support people in your community. It's a way to support veterans. Um, it's, it's everything you can ask for. I'm, I'm really impressed with what you guys are doing. I mean, it's, I can't say it enough. I, know I probably said it a bunch of times already, but. No, I appreciate that. Cause we're, you know, it's, uh, 
I, I'm a person too. I have, I have the patience, you know, or I have little patience, right? So we want to be at, you know, Z, but you got to go A through Z, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I would just say to your listeners too, I mean, if, if, if you're being inspired by what we're talking about today, like you, like you said, you don't have to go write a big check. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be the national level, you know, just, I mean, just with what's, you know, and again, I, we t- I don't want to be on a political thing, but what's going on today in America, you know, just go outside and, and say hi to somebody that you wouldn't normally say hi to. I mean, it's a community thing. It can be local. It can be, you know, it doesn't have to be the biggest, it doesn't have to be a dollar. It doesn't have to be the biggest charity. Right. It doesn't have to be a ton of time, you know, just because you never know what people are going through and in their daily lives, especially today, you know, um, and it's just, you know, try to put a smile on somebody's face and do something, you know, that the old golden rule, you know, yeah. do unto others. But, you know, I, I just, I hope, I hope that's what's coming across from what we're trying to accomplish is, you know, I'm, I'm you know, it's just, it's about community and, you know, America is made up of communities you know, America's a big community in, in my mind. Right. And, and that's what we've gotten aw- away from. Like, I think we've all forgotten that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be, to disagree. I think that's, you know, I think yeah. we've all forgotten that, Yep. you know, it's hard enough to, you know, I mean, I, I keep going back to me and my wife. I mean, shoot, my wife and I have been married for umpteen years and, you know, we barely agree on half the stuff. I mean, how am I supposed to, how are we supposed to expect the rest of the country to all agree with, everybody you know I the person I married to doesn't agree with me half the time you know it's like it's okay it's okay yeah you know um you know and and just get out there and you know sounds weird but hug hug your neighbor man yeah like you're being a veteran of America a veteran of a community and if you are a veteran it's your responsibility to, def- to continue to defend America at home so enough. I'm off the yeah. soapbox. No, no. <laughs> I'm sure we can we can go on for a long time. Uh, but actually, we're getting actually we're going past our uh, our time here. So I don't want to I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So I think maybe that's probably a, a good place to, to start wrap it up. But um, before we go, one last opportunity. Like I want you to uh, tell everyone where they can find you, uh, website, you know, social media, wherever you want people to, to come look for you. Please let them know. Uh, start with that. Okay. All right. So our website is um, www.maducenation, and that's M-A-D-E-U-C-E, nation.com. Uh, and then we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, at Maudus Nation, and, uh, and then Maudus Nation on Facebook. Okay. Um, yeah. You can buy everything on the website. Uh, you can link in there through Facebook and Instagram. Um, appreciate it. You know, everything you're doing here. So, well, likewise. And one last surprise question for you. Is there a, a book you can recommend to everybody out there? Any books a you book? Read? Yeah. What book do you like? Oh, no question. That's an easy question. That's a, that's an easy question. All right. So I read, let me look. I got it. It is called, I know the guy that did it. Oh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Yep. And you got to listen to the audio book 
versus if you have the chance to do it, listen to the audio book versus the reading one, because David actually gets in there and comments between chapters. If you can get the audio version, which makes it a little better, but I've read it and listened to it. Um, if that's your thing, kind of a military, uh, kind of a, um, what do you call it? Like a motivational, motivational yeah. kind of guy. Um, if you don't know who David Goggins is, he, he's a gruff talking, but yeah. he is a 100% badass. Love that guy. Um, and the book is great. Um, just, I mean, if you want to talk about somebody that didn't get handed a thing, I don't know if you've read his book or know anything about him, but he didn't get handed a thing. Yeah. He's earned everything he's gotten. Um, he is, he is pretty good. No, I totally um, agree. And anyone out there that that's not familiar with him, if you check out his social media, I think almost every post is him running in like the hundred degree heat, like running a marathon on a daily basis or something crazy. Um, he's, he's, I mean, he's awesome, dude. He's nuts though. Like, he's, yeah, no, he's, he's crazy. A crazy in a good way. Trust me. Yeah. It's so anyone out there, check him out. He's, he's awesome. Oh, one more thing. Can I chime yeah. in one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. You might laugh at this cause you'll no. know, but we've had a million people, come to us and go, what is a madus, a moodus, a mabus, a deduce? <laughs> it is pronounced ma deuce, and that is, stands for the M2 uh, 50 cal browning machine gun. Yes. So everybody that's out there listening, it's the mother of all machine guns. Every branch of service has used it uh, and used it since the 1920s. It hasn't changed. It's the one weapon. Um, that really hasn't, you can put it on an airplane, you can put it on a bipod, you can put it in a vehicle, but the gun itself hasn't changed design since Browning made it mm -hmm. in the 1920s. And uh, it is the mother of all machine guns, the Ma Deuce. Yep. So we get a lot of questions about that. So <laughs> like, what, what is this thing? You know, and they can't say it. So I probably not the best choice of uh, company names, but I love it. It's my favorite thing to shoot. And, uh, and so there you have it. So I picked the company name. So. Well, I like it. And if nothing else, I mean, I think it gets people talking and I think it gets people, Hey, what is that? Cause you'd rather have people asking questions like, Hey, well, what does that mean? Instead yeah. of just looking at a name like that, eh, whatever. You yeah. Know, Cause the people that know they get it and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, and the people that aren't like, what is that? And then they start doing yeah. So that, that's cool. But cool, man. I don't want to take up too much more time. So I think, no, I appreciate yeah. it. I hope this was helpful. No, it was awesome. We'll, uh, we'll end there. So for uh, Stu Scheller, who couldn't be here today, uh, sorry, man. This is uh, Brian Hanna signing off for the uh, Nothing Owed podcast. And we will put all of um, everything we talked about today in the show notes. So anyone that wants to check out the Fisher House, Mod Deuce, uh, David Goggins, we'll post all that up. Um, so please check it out. Everyone we talked about, they're doing great things. Uh, so has Ben with Mod Deuce. So please check them out. Please support them any way you can. Um, it's been great, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.